Look at all these women. Those words were spoken in our church basement last week, a few days ago, by our congresswoman who was visiting our English language learners program. She was doing a constituent visit, uh, learning about the program, what is done, how it's done, and why they do it. Her office had called several weeks before searching for a human services organization in Norwalk so they can make a county stop in Warren County, get to know what's happening here better, and we proposed our ELL program. And so we gathered on Thursday morning, snow on the ground, Gary Fox outside clearing the snow away like he and the trustees do so well, so that the congresswoman and her staff could squeeze into a tiny room in our church basement filled with volunteers and students, a room packed with incredible women. Now, Betsy did amend the congresswoman's statement and said that proudly we now have one man helping, her husband. And we gave thanks for all these women and Betsy's husband making a difference. (laughs) At the table were seated a few of our teachers and then students along with them. Three of the women told where they had come from, different cities in Mexico. Three of the women had come from Somalia by way of refugee camps. All of these women living in Norwalk. They came to fight for a new life, most of them doing it all themselves, their husbands either out of the picture or still stuck in a refugee camp, caught up in the midst of unjust laws and difficult regulations that split families up for years, if not forever. They came to our country, our state, our city to find jobs, housing, education, to create a new life. One of the students, Sahara, was late arriving and she walked into this room already packed, already in session with people she did not know, a bunch of white Protestants, her in her hijab. And she walked in like she owned the room. This was her space. She sat at the table at a seat reserved for her with the biggest grin. Congresswoman Axony asked one of the students, Fuss, what this group meant to her. And without missing a beat, she started talking in a language we did not yet know. For almost two minutes, she talked, barely taking a breath, all in Somali, and Barakwa was there to interpret and said, well, she said a lot. (laughs) And we all laughed, and then Barakwa said, well, well, Fu said, speaking of, of the teachers, of our volunteers, of our church members, Fu said, they brought me in as one of their sisters. Look at all these women. Now, that phrase, that could be the name of our sermon series right now. Look at all these women in Scripture. During the season of Epiphany, this time between Christmas and Lent, we've been looking at stories of wise women in Hebrew Scriptures who have led the way. Yeah, there's been a theme developing in these stories. Each week, Marty and I are picking different stories, somewhat at random. We have a big pool of stories that we don't have time to tell all of them, and we just kind of go with what feels right for the week. And yet every story so far have been a story of a non-Hebrew woman, of a foreigner in their midst, someone who comes to the aid of the Jews, someone who should not know about the God of the Hebrews, but she does. She stands up for herself. She fights. She joins in what God is doing, prepares the way for God's mission to be done. Look at all these women in God's story. Their stories often untold, forgotten, or ignored. But without them, the story would have been over a long time ago. 
We, of course, know about Moses, the great leader of the Hebrew people. We can picture him with his best Charlton Heston look standing at the burning bush, raising his hand as the Red Sea parts, climbing up Mount Sinai to talk with God as Moses receives the Ten Commandments and then leading the people through the wilderness. But Moses' story doesn't begin at a burning bush. Moses' story begins with two Egyptian women before there's ever a Moses There's Shifra and Pua, Egyptians whose job is to be midwives for the Hebrews, now Hebrew slaves. If you read Genesis, you know that they arrived as descendants of Joseph, welcomed into Egypt. But in Exodus 1, the story turns. We're told the descendants of Joseph had become fruitful and prolific. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong so that the land was filled with them. It sounds like good news, but the Egyptian, particularly the Egyptian king, is threatened. So he enslaves them, assigns them taskmasters. We're told a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph, did not know the gift that Joseph gave to the Egyptians. Forgetting it all, this new king, whose name we are not told... Exodus begins with a long list of men's names, but he remains unnamed. And he says they are more numerous and powerful than we are. We must stop them or else in the event of war, they will join with our enemies and defeat us. Why is it that people in power always are so scared of others growing and taking their power? The king is terrified. And so he orders these midwives to kill every Hebrew baby boy that is born. Make it look like an accident if you have to or don't. I don't care. Just kill them. It's about control, power, genocide, the extinction of the Hebrew people. Genesis tells us the story how they grew and now Pharaoh wants to end it all. And guess what? These remarkable, fierce women do. Like Rahab, who lies to the king of Jericho to protect the Hebrew spies, like that Persian queen Vashti, who tells her drunk husband, nah, they resist. They stand up. They let the boys live. Every one of them. How could they not? They're midwives. Their job is to bring life into this world. And the king of Egypt is enraged. You can almost see him stomping around. And I just have this picture of Elmer Fudd as, as he's been one-upped by Bugs Bunny, the short, little angry man, smoke pill- billowing from his ears, yelling at these strong women. He calls the midwives in, and the unnamed king calls in the named Shifra and Pua and asks them, why have you let these boys live? And they lie. They tell a good one, too, one that everyone around the king chuckles at when they hear it. But this king apparently believes, oh, mighty king, they said, we we would have obeyed you. But these Hebrew women, you know how they are. You've seen them working, making these bricks They're They're more vigorous than Egyptian women. We head out with our bags ready to be their midwives. And before we even get there, they've given birth. What the text doesn't say, but implies is that surely Shifra and Pua are not the only midwives in Egypt. They're the two that are named. Perhaps they're the ones who organized the whole bunch. I can imagine what happened. The midwives got together after this angry little king devises this plan and sends out this edict. Shifra and Pua summon all the midwives together. They devise a plan. They recruit the other women to join them. And together they all defeat the plan. They recruit this team of women and resist together. 
Together they risk it all and they are victorious because of their courage, their camaraderie. An entire generation of Hebrews are born and have a chance. And one of those children that are born was named Moses. And we're told that the God of Hebrews rewards Shifra and Pua with families of their own, suggesting that they were, like most ancient midwives, barren. The barren helping other women give birth and receiving God's blessing as a reward. Look at all these women. Now, when Marty was pregnant with Finn, as she mentioned earlier, we were blessed to meet a remarkable woman named Addie. Addie was a doula, basically a midwife without that extra certification. And we hired her to do what they do, to help Marty give birth. We had a doctor. He was pretty smart, too. Nice guy. But we needed more than a doctor at this moment in our life. We wanted a coach. See, when our first child was born, I won't say Taylor's name, uh, but the doctor, well, that doctor took matters into his own hands. I prefer to deliver babies on Mondays and Tuesdays, he told us. And he did what he needed to do to make things happen the way he wanted to happen. I guess golf fees were a little cheaper on Wednesdays. And so we went along because we were new. We didn't know any better. We were vulnerable. And he took advantage of us. We didn't know what we could have done, that we could have stepped up to here. We didn't realize what was going to happen. And so when we had another kid, we decided, well, we're in charge of this. And so we hired a doula. We hired Addie because Addie did what midwives had been doing for centuries. She knew what midwives know, that a midwife does not deliver a baby. Midwives know what modern medicine often forgets. It's not doctors or nurses or midwives or doulas that deliver babies. Who delivers babies? Mom delivers the baby. The midwife's job is to help mothers do what they're created to do. Coaches that go alongside of the woman. When the mother doesn't think she can go on, the midwife tells her, yeah, you can do this. We've been doing this a long time. You can do it. The midwife walks alongside the mother, a guide, a support, an advocate for the mother's own created ability, coaching her to do what she was made to do, what no man could ever do, by the way bring new life into the world. And I can't think of a better example, a model for ministry than a midwife. On Thursday in that church basement room, there was a room filled with midwives, remarkable women, refugees, migrants, immigrants who've endured so much to fight for a better life. And they have all they need within them to succeed and thrive, but they needed a midwife. Someone who could coach them, who could teach them what they needed to know, what they could learn but did not know how to learn yet. One who could model for them, one who could help them do what they were created to do. As they've been doing since the beginning of human civilization, other women stepped up to serve as midwives for these women. And as Fuss said, they brought them in as sisters. Look at all these women and Betsy's husband too. Because midwifery is not just for women. Everyone, regardless of your gender identity, are called to be midwives, to walk alongside of people, be it your own children, friends, neighbors, family, people in your community, your employees or fellow uh, employees, your church sisters and brothers, young and old, everyone a midwife to help people birth new things, new opportunities, new possibilities. 
to recruit others like Shifra and Pua recruited the midwives of Egypt so that together they could resist tyrants and those tyrannical forces in our world that would oppress and control and tell us the way life is supposed to be, who will risk whatever they need to stand up to unjust laws and unfair expectations to stand alongside of women and men and cheer them on as you help them become what they are created to be. And we don't do it for them, we do it with them. And in the process, guess what happens? We are changed. New life is born in us. And we are there to witness a new world being created right before our eyes. And so thank you to Shifra and Pua, these Egyptian women who show us the way. Thank you for making God's story possible and reminding us that when we work together alongside one another, that no one can stand against what God is doing in this world and what God has created us to be. And may we follow their example as we all women and men alike become midwives for God's mission as we live out what we were created to become. May it be so. Amen. And let us sing number 658, Restless Weaver, Ever Weaving, Threads of Justice and Shalom.